Welcome to the Exponential Edge podcast with your host, Arya Salur. I'm excited to have you join me on this journey exploring the forefront of technological advancements and innovation that will shape our future. As a rising junior at Acton-Boxborough Regional High School and the CEO of SecArmor, a cybersecurity startup, I've always been fascinated by the transformative power of technology. In this podcast, we will dive deep into five key areas that are poised for exponential growth in the next decade. We'll be exploring the realms of cybersecurity, generative AI, sustainability and climate tech, biotech and human longevity, as well as the reshoring of manufacturing. These topics hold immense potential to revolutionize our world and redefine the way we live, work, and interact. Each episode will feature insightful conversations with experts, thought leaders, and visionaries who are at the forefront of these fields. In just 30 minutes, our goal is to provide you with five signature nuggets of wisdom from our guests. These key takeaways will empower you with knowledge and help you stay ahead in an ever-evolving technological landscape. Without further ado, let's introduce our guest for this week. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Neha Tandan Sharma. CEO of Isadora Life. Hi, Neha. Hi. Hi, Arya. Thank you. Of course. Uh, so first off, could you briefly go over your career thus far? Mm, uh, I'm actually an engineering graduate, and then I did my master's in finance, and since almost worked as a corporate finance strategist, doing mergers, acquisitions, private equity, IPOs uh, in the technology, media, and telecom sector, for nearly wow. a decade and a half, mm-hmm. and uh, most of so I worked with uh, companies in uh, the tech outsourcing segment, yeah. mostly. And then uh, over a period of time, my husband's a cancer surgeon, and uh, his hometown is Raipur in Chhattisgarh. It is in central India, and uh, we decided to move to Raipur in Chhattisgarh uh, and develop his practice as well as develop a life here. So. That was kind of a moment of truth for me because now everything that I had done so far was mostly uh, concentrated around metros in India. And uh, I had to now uh, recreate a line of work which would be conducive to the city that I am in. So for a couple of years, I uh, worked as a consultant, uh, helping young startups uh, uh, in D2C, in uh, SaaS, in information security, raising capital, doing hacking growth, stuff like that. And then finally uh, decided that, okay, I want to get my hands dirty and started Easy Dora Life in 2019. Mm -hmm. So you went from studying something which... Uh, civil engineering, right, at uh, Nirma Institute, I believe, right, to doing something completely different from that. So could you please explain uh, how that process went, how uh, you did something very different than the education you received? Yeah, uh, from an academic standpoint, you could say that I wasted a seat in engineering by not following but uh, uh, engineering actually is a very uh, base is a, is a very fundamental degree that one gets because uh, one thing which you learn in engineering is structured and logical way of thinking across every subject that you come across so that uh, forms the so you will see a lot of civil engineers metallurgical engineers mining engineers working with very large it companies 
so uh, because that's a skill that you learn over a four year period and that and then when you arm it with uh, something in finance because as an engineer numbers come very easily to you and maybe you don't understand the basics of uh, commerce uh, as well but you understand the numbers and the thought process the ability to think structurally the ability to think in a structured ma manner uh, you know in a way uh, you all you end up uh, invariably you end up making mental flowcharts of things so that carries you forward so if you tell me so it of course is a departure if you talk about uh, core skills that i had as an engineer or core skills as a banker then yes of course it is a depart very large departure from what i was doing to what i am doing now but essentially what am i doing right now uh, i am uh, when i started isidora life i had an idea but uh, because i am an engineer i learned how to make processes so from the day one of the company uh, you know when even before our first prototype was ready we had uh, i was making it in a way that there was an assembly line in place yeah mm -hmm. then when you work as a banker and you have a chance or opportunity to meet uh, uh, large visionaries or companies work with them do their financial projections present them uh, to investors you learn how to think big you learn how to think at a scale so uh, when i started so if i was not uh coming from this background uh, as a lady who has uh, moved to a smaller town with limited options maybe what i would have done is opened a boutique in a local market yeah mm -hmm. but my background and the exposure that i had enabled me to think in a different manner altogether from day one we had shipping partners aligned we had apis integrated we had packaging in place we had uh, uh, social media strategy in place the uh, you know the production process from day one was geared towards uh, doing 100 orders a day not one or two orders a day from day one we were thinking like that that was the dream so uh, uh, i wouldn't say that of course uh, i'm it's a large departure but whatever i've learned so far has held me in good stead over the years secondly i have no knowledge of fashion so for the first couple of months uh, i used to uh, do data mining to understand the trending colors the trending styles and then uh, i used a lot of uh, data analysis to choose the styles that i kept on my website i didn't have a taste as such and even today uh, most of our uh, procurement strategy is based on what has worked in past and how things have moved across months mm -hmm. all right thanks that that's really interesting though since it definitely seems like at least on paper a huge departure but obviously all those uh skills transferred over to everything you've done after that so i also wanted to ask um how could you go more in depth to how you got from investment banking to uh starting isadora life uh even though you went over it a little bit before and also i believe you started uh isadora with about 3 lakhs which is definitely a small sum of money and now it's worth way more than that so could you um, go into that too 
आई सो रायपुर छत्तीसगढ़ यू हैव टू वेयर सारी वेरी वेरी ऑफन सो इट्स अ टीयर टू टीयर थ्री सिटी एंड वेन एवर यू अटेंड एनी फॉर्मल फंक्शन और एनी थिंग एंड आई वॉज नॉट यूज टू वेरिंग सारी and that was a very big inconvenience to me and in between i was setting up a medical project with my husband and that required me to travel to several hospitals across the state meet the doctors meet the officials and everything and when you go there in that capacity you go wearing a proper formal indian dress and meet yeah. so uh, and it was a very different an experience from me from what i was used to doing all my life but uh, so 6 8 months i did that and uh, at the same time i was also doing consulting and this problem kept happening i had to wake up 2 hours earlier just to get my saree right and this seemed like a very big sacrifice to me so i was like this something's got to be done about it like you know guys have simplified it now they wear dhotis with the elastic i mean they know so why can't we do that and uh, that's how actually it started and i was like if i am the one who's feeling like this i can't be the only lazy person in the whole country i must have my sister soul sister somewhere mm-hmm. and uh, but then uh, of course uh, this is not just about being lazy it's about uh, being able to wear your favorite dress more often so yeah. that you want to wear something but it is so cumbersome that you go for the next best so you make this one convenient and uh, an accessible so i started isadora in the storeroom of my house that's why i could start with as little as a capital wow. as uh, that yeah. started it in the storeroom of my house with two women lakshmi and memin and when we began uh, we uh, as, as so coming back to how i used my engineering degree was i had a draft board drawing drafting board and on that i used to make Uh, designs the way i used to make it in uh, as a civil engineer and try to teach them that i think there will be compression here i mean in my mind this will be compression this will be tension this will be the where the tension point will be and i used to try to convey it to the uh, tailors and then it took a matter of 2 3 months to you know get things up and running second point which was important was that sari has two dimensions to it one is the height of the person who is wearing it and another is the girth of the person who is wearing it so uh, it has to be right from both ends that means uh, you have the the inventory the number of uh, skus that you have multiply yeah mm-hmm. uh to give you an example i'm like 5 feet 2 inches in height so 40 inches of height of the sari is going to fit me but if somebody is 4 feet 8 inches she may trip and fall so so we had to create enough number of skus to make sure that it is global in sizing but also not so overwhelming that from inventory management standpoint it becomes a nightmare because in retail no matter how much you sell ultimately your profitability uh, in terms of cash is determined by how well you manage your inventory so uh so that was the journey right from as an investment banker and then work uh, and trying when i was having to work so there were some practical problems that i faced and second thing which was there in my mind was that now that i am based in raipur in chatisgarh i ought to make this location 
uh, a propeller rather than uh, a friction in the work trajectory that I do. Uh, uh, Raipur in Chhattisgarh is uh, in central India and most of the industry here is iron, ore, steel. There's no tech-based industry around here. So there are no tech-based clients to advise. So my capability, my skill set was not matching. I had to create an area where I could make a difference. So uh, I thought that this is somewhere where I could start and you and be useful to the city and also create something at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's a great story, right? And I also read that you employ over 60 women, right? Yes. And yes. could you please go into that? Uh, many of them are underprivileged. And how has your company impacted their lives? What, what role does it play in empowering them? Could you please tell my viewers some of these stories? So uh, we have around 55 to 60 women in my team. And around 30 to 35 women are, uh, uh, you know, work, working as domestic helps earlier. Okay. And yeah. then we, of course, put out ads on social media in vernacular languages and everything. And they applied for it. They came. We trained them because, as I told you, that our uh, uh, prototyping, our process is very assembly line manufacturing. It's not like a proper designer or a boutique or anything. You just have to master one part of it and keep doing it again and again. Mm -hmm. So so it's easy to train uh, people. So we train them for one or two months. Of course, they are also working at the same time. And uh, then over a period of time, they develop a skill set of their own. And according to the capability and how fast they catch up, we promote them to different departments. So uh, I've been very, very fortunate that I have a very strong team today, uh, 55, 60 women. As I was telling you in the beginning of the call that this is festive season. So we are at working at around 120% capacity. So most of my uh, tailors are, um, you know, their hands are swollen because of working oh, the whole day. Okay. So evening time, they are putting uh, some uh, 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 some pain killing, a painkiller lotion on their hands, covering their hands with uh, uh, their uh, scarves or stole, sitting for some time, having tea, and then going back to work. So that's the, the that's the kind of sentiment that I I kind of feel that I'm very lucky and blessed to have people like that who are rooting for you. Uh, second is uh, uh, COVID was a very tough time for many of them. So uh, since inception, we have not lost a single candidate because of dissatisfied employee. Either there have been young girls who got married and left or there have during COVID, we lost a couple of our workers uh, in terms of the, their husbands were daily laborers doing construction okay. work or something. So suddenly everything yeah. stopped and uh, they belong to the villages where they used to be farm hands. So now they don't have money to uh, pay the rent. They don't have money to survive. So only wife salary is coming. We were also paying only half salary at that time. So we kind of, they had to migrate back to the villages and go back to uh, where they, they had at least a roof over their head. Yeah. So uh, that was, but uh, slowly we made up and uh, now around 55 many of them are uh, uh, how should i say uh, when they joined us 
they like i will give you a, a very simple story of my quality supervisor who is also a director in the company this is lakshmi sharma and uh, she had never worked in her life she was a north indian conservative family housewife were living in a traditional joint family where her only job was to cook food yeah and uh, any her intellectual opinion was not at all sought after i mean nobody cared what she thought and when she joined the company initially it was always like uh, is this okay she would ask me uh, she would ask for validation from me for every single thing and i have not been brought up like that and i'm lucky to not have a husband so uh, i used to get a little irritated that you know you take some decisions yourself it's wrong you defend it it's fine but slowly i realized that they don't have the confidence but today that lady is managing a team of 45 women giving me the production that i want the quality that i want she's a quality supervisor she will make them sit for four extra hours if things don't work out she's managing more than 40 45 women uh, managing not just the production but she's also responsible for quality assurance because every single prod sari of ours goes through a 18 point quality checklist which she signs off on So if a customer ever raises a query that this is not right then we dig up that order sheet and say okay you why did you sign on it if this was not proper So uh she's come a long way and last week or something she said this person is not performing very well we need to put her on uh, our own uh, version of uh, uh, performance improvement plan <laughs> our own version where we uh, put them into a department which is not as stressful and which yeah. is not as demanding and let them you know uh, come into their own for some time before taking any drastic decision so yeah. she takes those decisions now and uh, she just tells me that uh, this is what is possible this is not possible i am like okay great i mean to every single time every time in a weekly production meeting she raises questions and she later on tells me i mean in colloquial way she tells me you tell me how much production you want in this month i will give you you just focus on sales yeah and that story is really amazing thank you, you know, for imagine the journey imagine the lady mm-hmm. who could not uh, who had to come every 5 minutes to me to a lady who takes these decisions on her own of course yeah uh there are a couple of other stories like uh, some I actually uh I read on one of these articles um that you a lot of your workers had never had pizzas or samosas samosas before they and never, you they've never possible. had in last year I took them for a movie uh uh to a hall this was gangubai katiyawadi which is a very feminist movie and i thought that they will enjoy it and i took them them to a mall and uh, you won't believe it uh, more than 40 50% of them had never been to a mall had never been to a movie theater wow but it's awesome how you're introducing them to these experiences yeah, yeah. as well and they were like okay you you sit in the ac hall and you watch a movie okay this was like a revelation for them uh then uh, some of them uh, uh they they love uh, so we typically say okay i'll order some samosa or something they say no we want pizza we want maggi yeah <laughs> so so 
things which we take for granted are uh, mm. things which they relish and then you understand that uh, uh, how we are uh, missing out on uh, having fun because we take so much for granted Mm-hmm. but at the same time i think uh, many of them are also domestic uh, abuse victims many of them mm-hmm. uh, have yeah. family or spouses who do not work and uh, so a lot of times we have issues in terms of remitting salary to them because if we remit the salary to them in the bank then it will be taken away from them yeah so we really have to take care of those sensitivities and uh, but uh, the part of but the thing about those women is that they have kids they manage their house from they don't have uh, help at home and do all the work on their own come work 10 hours go back again work and come back the next day morning and are as jovial and as happy as one can be yep so uh, many of um, i have a girl in my inventory department her name is hirondi and when i moved to raipur she used to come to my house to do ironing so and over the years i used to see her and her work ethic and i really liked her when i started in 2019 she said i want to be part of this i said okay but you don't know stitching she's like i'll join stitching class and then come i said okay so i told her in january that i will be starting she joined a stitching class in 3 months she learned something but not too much but she learned something and joined me in april and over the year oh, but when she joined me in april of course we started putting her in the prototyping testing but what i realized over next 6 months was she was an excellent inventory manager i mean we had only 100 skus at that time and she is not educated but she say ma'am are 104 pieces are in production two pieces are in dispatch one piece is packed yeah she had that kind of memory and that kind of you know focus so uh today that girl uh manages our entire inventory packing and dispatch uh she manages a team of around 10 to 12 ladies yeah. and uh, uh if you see my inventory management software it is updated till last minute i mean any sku code i put in it tells me the exact status life status she manages it so well so Uh, the, the this is uh this is how what happens when uh people when someone is allowed to shine yep definitely mm-hmm. the the uh, you know the dazzle is already there in them the magic is there okay so i wanted to shift gears a little bit now um my mother actually is very interested in saris mm-hmm. uh and i picked out two pieces from her collection um uh patan patola and a uh, kanji ram and i wanted to ask you at isadora uh do you guys do traditional weaving or do you have a new type of weaving will you ever integrate the traditional weaving like these two styles yes we do uh we don't have looms of our own or manufacturing capacity of our own we procure it from the manufacturers or from the artisans and then uh, we do the one minute sari stitching which is our own ip and ship it so the fabric of course is not done in house we procure the fabric but yes we have all styles right from uh, the patan patola to kanchivaram to kanchipuram all of them are there 
Mm-hmm. And you guys have uh, you guys have a one minute uh, or yeah. less than one minute. Sorry, rap, right? Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to ask: Is the material also less in that one minute? Sorry, rap than a regular. In fact, sorry? actually, it is a little more. It is a little more. Oh wow. Yeah, because uh, you have to the inskirt has to be attached to the sari. So so overall, if you see the length of the entire ensemble, it is more than six meters. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so, but it is a little more. You have to give the inskirt uh, material extra. You have to add from your side, which is made of breathable fabric, which uh, uh, is conducive to Indian weather and. Uh, then the fabric of the sari, of course, is put in place. The pleats are simulated, stitched in a way that uh, it looks like a normally draped sari. So unless the lady tells herself that this is a one-minute sari, no one will get to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. That that's actually really interesting. I thought it would be less material since it's obviously much less time. Ah, uh, no. The material is the same. It's just that. Uh, two or three uh, areas like putting the pleats together and uh, all that is taken care of so think of it like a skirt wrap around skirt yeah so so it's just that okay so going more into a broader scale uh, sustainability is a growing concern in the fashion industry right so could you share your thoughts on how Isadora life is contributing to a circular economy and particularly particularly through the rehoming of saris? Yes. So two things that we are doing is we are actively promoting organic, vegetable dyed uh, handloom uh, products, uh, which are more environment friendly as compared to the polyesters and chiffons and georgettes. We try and skew our collection towards that. And secondly, another important thing that we do is that uh, we convert your existing sari into one minute sari. So you can go to our website and place an order for convert my sari. Wow. So the sari will be picked up from your house. Uh, it will be converted and then shipped back to you. So yeah, that's a great user experience right there. Yeah. So what happens is that uh, uh, someone's brought this sari with a lot of love and hope and she wants to mm-hmm. wear it. So you make it easy yeah. instead of making her spend more money and buy another one. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So we are doing that. Over a period of time, I don't know how good or how uh, far it will go, but uh, a lot of our uh, community of uh, you know uh, buyers, have a lot of youngsters in that um, community who are buyers who don't wear sari uh, very often they don't even want to own a sari but they want to wear it once and but uh, how do you take care of it so uh, right now we have not started but in near future once we have uh, some infrastructure in place for that uh, maybe isadora uh, buyers can uh, rent the product to each other for a nominal amount so that uh, which is a, which is collected by Isadora and uh, delivered by Isadora at both ends. Yeah. And talking about your buyers, uh, could you go into what clients you guys serve, your client base? We serve mostly uh, top 10 cities in India contribute almost 50% of the revenue and the other rest of the country contributes. Nor- Western and Southern India are our uh, topmost customers. 
most of our customers are working professionals uh, many of them are doctors teachers is okay. officers uh, bank officers professors so the, this is the set of our uh, customers uh, who are the most regular customers who have to wear sari at work or who prefer wearing sari to work is there a certain age demographic or economic strata that you guys cater to more yes between uh, uh, i think between 30 to 45 years is our uh, okay. most active customer base which uh, uh, which which has some amount of which has more disposable income at their uh, yeah. end Mm-hmm. and second many of us women who are between 30 to 45 or 30 to 50 years of age we are now uh, not looking like the way we used to look in our early 20s and uh, most of the sizes don't fit us so we are looking for options where uh, we can uh, you know uh, look good effortlessly because now the life is busier than ever uh, so uh, that part of that segment is a very active customer base for us. Yeah, that's great. And I wanted to ask as a successful entrepreneur, uh what advice do you have for aspiring businesswomen and men, especially those looking to make a positive impact on society through their ventures? Just keep going and if you think you're making a difference, and if you think that uh, this is a venture which is worth doing and in my view if it's pe- if any venture or any proposition if it is making a positive difference to the users as well as to the ones who are working in it then it is bound to succeed over a period of time tactical failures may be there but strategically if you are adding value around your uh, eco- in your ecosystem then that venture will succeed so uh, we can take case of uh, any of the successful startups they've all uh, so you add value to some the ecosystem that you operate in whether your employees or whether the people who benefit from your cust- uh, from your service or product if that is enriching them in any way then the project will go forward mm-hmm. yeah definitely and do you think you could share or highlight a memorable moment or achievement that you've gone through in your entrepreneurial journey and that's left a lasting impression on you uh, actually uh, for uh, covid second lockdown and my okay. team sticking through it Yeah, so you I, went through earlier. Yeah, yeah. I we were only 5 or 6 months old at that time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I didn't have enough money to pay uh, the salaries for the entire month. So they mm-hmm. said up don't worry ma'am. Uh, you just pay what you can. Oh, uh, really? As far as yeah, as far as we can have uh, dal and rice. Yeah. We are okay. You just do what you can and uh, we'll somehow make through it. You don't worry about it. That's so, great. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so so coming that coming from them uh was uh, like uh, how could I get so lucky? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it That's was really bitter, inspirational. Yeah, it was bittersweet moment for two, three months. I could not pay proper salaries, and this was a lockdown period where none of their family members, because most of them were contractual laborers, and they don't get money at all because they are they are daily wage workers. So they were surviving. The entire family was surviving on fifteen days of salary instead of one month, yeah. one month of salary. That to single person mm-hmm. earning. So, but they were still somehow or other doing it. Then. many of my team members in that state also were uh, we we were not posting a lot of uh, sale videos because it would be in very bad taste to yep. post product sales uh, on your social media so mm-hmm. the only thing you can do to keep your followers engaged is to give them some content which will bring a smile to their face in these times yeah. so at the same time they were also trying their level best to make some snippets and send me that ma'am post this post that because we didn't have money yeah. to put a content manager also mm-hmm. but now of course you're doing really well the company is doing really well now, and they're getting rewarded for their loyalty and they, what they, they had to go there. through yeah. they were there they've been there and i'm uh, but uh, uh, they didn't know it they didn't know that at that time yeah They, But they, they had just, faith. They had faith in you and the company. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know. So if you ask me what keeps me going, then I guess that faith keeps you going. That no, you can't let so many people down. Uh, you have to. They joined you, and they think that you somehow will secure their retirement. Yeah. All right. So finally, I wanted to ask, uh, where what the future of Isadora Life is? Where do you guys see? the company going in the next say decade so we want to be uh, we started as a wrap and one minute sari brand because that was mm. like a latent need that many of us women felt from to simplifying a very traditional garment and making it more contemporary and convenient but yeah. over a period of time we have emerged as a more uh, socially uh, not so more inclusive brand in terms of sizes and shapes so yeah. as we go forward uh, we will metamorphose ourselves from being just wrap and one minute sari brand to <laughs> a more inclusive brand for all sizes and shapes especially for mm. indian bodies yeah because so be it formal wear be it uh, casual wear be it uh, so we want to be part of her everyday life be the balm mm. in her purse or be mm-hmm. uh, the dress that she wears to office not yeah. just be part of her ethnic journey so that is where we want to be mm-hmm. that's awesome So to end us off could you go through your five key takeaways from our conversation today Uh so my 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 takeaways as in yeah so first thing i would say is that uh, uh basic education that you have taken so the i'll refer to the first question that you asked me about my journey from being a ba- engineer banker and then to come becoming an entrepreneur so an entrepreneur so my first takeaway would be an entrepreneur is the ceo president uh, and the peon at the same time and you cover all the gamut so irrespective of your background if you think that there is a proposition that you have in mind and you have at least some idea you know how to take the first three steps then just go and take those steps you know everything else will follow and uh, second is uh, that uh, so that is one and second is that never think 
as an entrepreneur uh, never think that uh, uh, this is a small set of business that i am doing think big try and think big uh, i even today i think i'm not thinking big enough think big it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it doesn't materialize because when you think big then you're planning for scale you're planning for making a larger impact and your processes are that much more stronger because you know that you will not be able to foresee everything so you make it stronger so that is second third is what i would say is that your employees or your team members are your biggest customers your first customer take care of them take care ensure allocate jobs uh, try and allocate jobs according to their interest areas as much as possible mm-hmm. so that yeah. uh, it's easier for them to perform well yeah. rather than you know going against their basic nature so try try and do that for third the next takeaway i would do say is that keep in touch with your team members hear them and last and final is that uh, your uh, customers are your best teachers yeah so uh, and uh, like the first uh, when we we must have iterated our size charts prototypes and our processes at least 50 times till now and all based on single single small snippets of customer feedbacks that we used to receive on social media on chat on everything guard your reputation listen to what your customers are saying because if five customers 10 customers are saying the same thing then it is a problem it is no longer an isolated problem that somebody is facing you ought to hear it and improve your product and thank you for that and thank you so much for joining us today and finally thanks to our viewers uh for viewing this episode of the exponential edge podcast and tune in next time to learn about rising businesses and trends that will see exponential adoption in the future thank you neha thank you thank you arya have a good day you too bye